Wow. I, there's nothing better than being in the presence of God and, uh, and, and him moving among us. I'm going to come down here. I love this last week. It just worked so much better for me. I've asked Dave to build me a little platform so I can be a little closer down here. We're working on that. Um, we are in the middle of our servant leader series. And there's been such good stuff that's come of it. And as we study the life of the ultimate servant leader, and that's Jesus Christ. I mean, he is the servant leader. He, he, he leads and he serves as he leads. His own words were, I did not come to serve, to, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And it's amazing to me that as people who are called to be Christ-like, that we would be confused by that. That there would be any uh, understanding that, that our whole purpose is to serve people. But it gets twisted up. It gets twisted up in the game. We get confused about that because we forget what this is all about. We're called to be Christ-like. So we've been spending time in the word concerning Jesus and concerning the study of his life, and we've talked about many different things that are the epitome of a servant leader. And this morning, we're gonna continue that, and here is the main point for this morning. A servant leader knows when to slow the pace. A servant leader knows when to slow the pace down to hit the brakes to calm to release to wait this is the mark of a servant leader the problem with that is our world is so spun up right i mean the pace of life is so dramatically and incredibly fast this progress, this is progress in America. You always move forward and there are no limits to how far you can go and how fast you can get there. Don't pause, don't reflect. You either win or lose. You're either winning or losing. You, if you fall behind and fail, you fall behind and fail because you stop moving. Fast at any cost is the mantra of a stressed and distressed American society today. I mean, even here in Boulder City. I mean, go sit at a four-way stop and sit there a little longer than you're supposed to and watch what happens. <laughs> right? Roll the window down. Would you go? And I've said this before, get behind the wrong person at the grocery store. We, we, we go to the grocery store every Sunday morning, and there is a sweet, sweet girl that works there. Her name is, is Madison. And every Sunday when we go pick up the donuts and the bagels and the bananas, we make a point to go through Madison's line. Madison's line may be the longest line at the grocery store, but we want to go through Madison's line because we want to bless Madison. We want to say good morning to Madison. We want to ask Madison how her, how her week was. We want to ask Madison how her children are. 
just two sweet little little babies. We want to ask how her husband is. And every once in a while, there's a temptation. Even this morning, there was a temptation. They opened up a third or fourth line, and the gentleman looked right at me, and he goes, over here. And I said, yeah. And we stayed. And people were like, oh, you're stupid. And they just rolled around us and went and got in the other line. We get freaked out when someone writes a check in front of us. Really? They're going to write a check? Right? I've said this before. But the idea is this. We're so hurried. We're in such a hurry that we don't even realize we're in a hurry. And the stress that overwhelms us compounds and compounds and compounds to the place where I know pastors who've had breakdowns on Sunday morning because they're running around trying to do it all. I had an individual come to to me and say, you didn't check on me. You weren't there for me. Why weren't you there for me? What happened? I said, there's a ministry leader that was checking on you and they checked on you. Well, the pastor of the other church, he would check on me all the time. I said, the pastor of the other church had a nervous breakdown. I can't do it all. We are the body of Christ. It's all of our jobs to love people and check on people. And if we're stressed out, if we're running around, if we're freaking out, we never stop and take a moment to just look into the eyes of people. I know I've said this before, but Jesus must have known that we'd have smartphones because he says in his word, lift your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. How did he know that our eyes would be here? How did he know? Our eyes are just so focused on other things. He wants us to stop and slow, and a servant leader understands the importance of this. The pace of American life is cancerous to people who would like to deepen their faith. Would you lift your hand and say, I would like to deepen my faith in Christ? It's gonna take you understanding that from time to time you're gonna have to check out of the pace that this world sets for you. This is just a quick study in our understanding of how people operate. You guys remember 2008, or as I like to call it, 2008, when the housing market blew up and we had a horrible recession and people lost their shirts. Uh, my, my, not literally, actually, I walked around with bare chest for weeks. No, I never understand that concept. I can always have a shirt. Please, you want me to wear a shirt anyway. So, so we lived here and we had a cute little house on 7th Street, and, and uh, we sold that tiny little uh, three-bedroom, two-bathroom, but one of the bedrooms and one of the bathrooms was an add-on in the garage. How many know what I'm talking about, Boulder City? And so it was a tiny little thing, like 1,100 square feet, and, and we sold the thing for $201,000. I mean, that's nothing compared to the way things are now. Things are elevated even more, but we bought it for one fifty-five. So we didn't do too bad. 
So we, we sold the house and we were moving to Texas to, to start a church, to plant a church. And we got out there and, and of course all the advice was coming from all different people. Well, you got to get that money back in the market. Don't let that money sit. You got to get it back in the market, back in the market, back in the market. So we're like, okay, let's buy a house. We don't even know if we're going to have a job. Let's buy a house. And then what happened? The bottom dropped out. House was worth nothing. The house we bought for 160 barely cleared 120. But I wanted to take a look at the debt ratio. Okay, so two, this is compared to 2002. In 2008, household debt was at an all-time high, and it was 36% higher than in 2002. So from 2002 to 2008, people just went crazy with debt and trying to have something that they didn't necessarily need to work for. They could just have it. It was ours. It was mine. I can have it. Right? We can get into a house. We can have everything we want. Car loans, whatever it is. And then 2008 happened and debt plummeted. Right? Because why? Because people filed for bankruptcy. People lost everything and debt plummeted. And people, remember the feeling Sorry, young people, I'm talking over here. Remember the feeling when 2008 occurred and people were like, okay, it's really dumb to have lots of credit. I mean, remember that just it was the sentiment in our country. Like we shouldn't, we should work for things, we should save, right? And so debt plummeted, but then listen to this. As soon, as soon as incomes began to rise just a fraction I mean, just a fraction. When we felt as a country that things were not so much here anymore, but they were kind of here, the credit cards came out again. Like we had this sense of security, like it's going to be okay. We're not going to lose our jobs. It's coming back. So let's go get what we want. And in 2016, we're halfway to where we were in 2008. Because we just want what we want when we want it. We live in this microwave society. We want life to be a certain way, and when it's not, we get anxious. We get frustrated with things the way that they, they're not the way that I want it to be. I don't have what I want. I need this, or I want this. And this, this, this thing just begins to drive us. When things seem good, we are quick to take our foot off of the brake. When things seem good, we're just not working on things. We're not working on relationships. We're not working on, on, on learning. We're not working on our finances. Things are good, so we're just going about business as usual. Everything is great. Why should I be reading a book? Why should I be learning about my finances? Why should I be saving? Everything is fine. I'll just go along at this pace. And a lot of us go on that pace until we hit a wall. And life explodes. When things seem bad, we tend to go into crisis or fix-it mode. <gasps> we freak out. The marks of crisis and fix-it mode is we start to assign blame and fault because that helps us feel better. If I could just blame somebody for the financial problems that I'm in, like for me, for me, 
when we, when 2008 occurred and we could not sell our house and we could not get the money back out, the $20,000 that we had gotten from uh, having a house and selling a house and then that money was gone, my first reaction is to blame the people who told me to get back in the market. Oh, why did I listen to them? I just want to blame somebody. Why did that person tell me that? It's their fault. It made me feel better. Resentment and isolation become the fruit of that feeling. And as Christians, we're no different from the world. 52% of all marriages in the church and in divorce. It's the same number as non-Christian homes. Domestic violence statistics are the same in Christian homes as they are in non-Christian homes. Think about that. One in four in this room is a victim or has been a victim of domestic violence. Think about that. We should know why do we let things bother us? Why do we get going at this rapid pace because we're so freaked out by not having what we want and we try to get it? Here's the philosophy of so many people. We, we go around and get all we can. We can all we get and then we sit on the can. And then we get frustrated when anybody wants to take anything away from us. We get frustrated when a pastor would say, are you trusting God with your finances? Are you living with open hands? Why do you talk about money so much? Because we're trying to help you get set free. We're trying to help you get set free. Our hearts are attached to those things. And we're so unwilling to trust the Lord with it. So this is what the Bible says we should do. Are you ready? Are you ready? They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The Lord will fight for you. You need, you need only to be still. Be still and know that I am God. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. These are the words of Jesus. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. And then he stopped himself and he said, or indeed only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Yes, my soul, find rest in God my hope comes from him. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. 
wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Someone needs to hear these words this morning. You will not need to fight this battle. How many need to hear that this morning? You will not need to fight this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Amen. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. I have, an, I have a friend who was an air traffic controller, and, and I was talking to him about this message, and, and he said this. He said, in air traffic... This is a direct quote. In air traffic, the busier I got, and by busy he said, the more aircraft I was controlling and held on his screen. So the more planes that were on his screen, the busier he was, the slower he moved. The temptation was to talk faster and move quicker, but that was actually bad for my focus and problem solving. How many can relate? Counterintuitively, I had to slow down. And then he added this. I think it works the same for my emotions and my heart. How many of you guys have a lot of things flowing through your head right now? And you feel like you gotta solve them all. And your desires, I wanna do this, I wanna make this right, I gotta get this, I gotta do that, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. And we speed up and we lose focus. We tend to do the opposite in just about every area of our life. For instance, family. Family of origin. Hallelujah for family of origin. Can I get an amen for the family of origin? <laughs> Some of you have been blessed in your family of origin. Some of you have not. Some of you have family that you say, Lord, why? Lord Jesus, why? Some of you have family and you say, thank you, God. So in our families, we say, why is this atmosphere so crazy? Why is everybody so judgmental at Thanksgiving? I don't know. Can you just lay off of me? And so our desire is to either fix it or to argue or to flee. With our friends, we don't see eye to eye on an issue. And so I'll avoid and act like we were never friends. How many of you have gotten this from somebody who was a friend and you don't really know why they do it, but you see them in public and they, they will go like this?
They don't think that that you see them at the end of the cheese aisle, but you see them at the end of the cheese aisle, and they turn around and go around the cheese aisle to the dog food aisle, they don't even have a dog, just to avoid you. And if you're like me, I get my card and I go, hey, it's so good to see you. Oh, how have you been? I miss you. Yes. I don't do it for this reason, but the Bible says that's like heaping hot coals in their lap. I do it because I love them. Our work situations. I'm uncomfortable. At work, I'm uncomfortable. What can I do to make this feeling go away? I could quit. Get another job. I can avoid the problem or avoid the person. Or I can lash out irrationally. That's always worked really well. Church. I love this one. I'm just not being fed. I'm just not, I'm just not being fed by the pastor. So in that vein, we're going to have feed bags at the front door next week for you to all strap on. I'm not being fed. So, so, so the nature is this, to complain to others, but we say it like this. Oh, would you pray for me? What can I pray for you? Well, I'm just, I'm thinking that the Lord may be calling me to another church because I'm not being fed and not really liking the direction that our church is going in. So would you pray that the Lord would give me peace? Or we complain to leadership, which is better. Hey, leader. But then we offer no solutions. We have unrealistic expectations in church. We should have this ministry or that ministry or this ministry or that ministry. Over at Central Christian, they have this and this. They have a multi-million dollar budget. We do not. We'd like one if there are any millionaires in the crowd. (laughs) We have unrealistic expectations. We should have this ministry or that ministry. We've been in multiple churches. This is is a direct quote. We've been in multiple churches, and they all seem to be in the building phase. That's not where we are as a family. We need one to meet our current needs. Okay. Okay. Well, if God keeps taking you to churches that are in the building phase, maybe he's wanting you to build it. (laughs) Here's another direct quote. We need more than what you're offering. Because if we're not hurrying and doing all these things and our kids aren't in 18 million programs and all this different stuff, we're just not happy. And that's what I love so much about my friend CR is he's involved with all kinds of stuff. But at any given moment, whether it's Little League or Cub Scouts or here at church, if you go to CR and you ask him a question, he'll say, well, let me think about that. Or let me check into it. He's not running around, freaking out. 
He's just calm. He brings a calmness to a community that's freaking out. Amen, sister. The truth is the church is each one of us operating in our gifting so we can love people the way God loves them. And so if you have been called to this place, if you have said Christian Center Church is going to be my church home, then stop looking for a dynamic men's ministry. Stop looking for a dynamic women's ministry. Stop looking for a dynamic children's ministry or youth ministry, although we have those. Stop looking for what we may or may not have and start thinking like this. A servant leader calms, slows down, doesn't freak out and says, what am I here to do? What is my gifting? What is my calling? How can I contribute? And the best way that some of you can contribute right now is just holding still and waiting on the Lord. And if you're doing that right now, please do not feel guilty. Just delight in him. You see, not being committed to something is not a sin unless it becomes a pattern. Oh, we help a little while here and then we jump to another ministry or we jump to another church and we help a little while there and just never really finding what... What, what, our, what our place is. We just got to go here and do this and do that. And God's just like, stop it. Settle down. Just tune your ears and listen. Stop running around. Be still. What do I do? What do I do? Got to fix it. Got to figure it out. I actually wrote that there. What do I do? What do I do? Got to fix it. Got to figure it out. <laughs> and these two stories sum it up. You ready? This is in... Mark chapter 4, verse 35. I could read it out of my Bible, but it's the exact same thing here. So, on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the water. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. Water was coming onto the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, I just imagine that he said it like this, peace be still. I, I, I doubt that it was this, peace be still, thou saith. He just got woken up. How many of you guys are in a good mood when you get woken up? Maybe, maybe babies, that's about it. But for the most, most of us, we get woken up, we're a little cranky. That's right. Teacher, wake up. Don't you care? 
I was having a really, really good dream about the Father. Peace be still. Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Imagine there was probably some comedy in his voice. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear. And said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I promise you he was less concerned with their revelation of who is this that the wind and sea obey him? He was more concerned with, why are you guys freaking out? I'm sure the lesson that he wanted them to learn in that moment wasn't, I am the God who can calm the sea. The lesson he wanted them to learn in that moment is, stop freaking out. Stop freaking out. Evidenced by the next story in Mark chapter 6, in verse 45, it says, immediately he made his disciples get onto the boat and go before him to the other side. So this time he's like, I'm not going to sleep in the stern. I'm going to make them get in the boat and go on their own because I got my whole, I got a whole other thing planned. And, and it didn't work out last time. So guys, get on the boat, meet me on the other side. And, and then he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. This is something that Jesus did often. When there was a stressful situation, there's things going on, he just said, I don't care what's going on, I'm going to dismiss myself and go be with God the Father. And when he was able to do that, he was able to get a perspective and the will of God and refresh and recharge, and then he was able to do the things that he was called to do. Listen, I love this. And the evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw, listen, Jesus saw that they were making headway painfully. It wasn't easy, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch, okay, so, so evening was there, and he saw that they were struggling and then he waited to the fourth watch, right? So he's watching them struggle, and he waited. I mean, the sun's just going down. It's just evening. The fourth watch is the last watch of the night. He let them struggle all night long. How many say, Jesus has let me struggle quite a while? Yes. He came... And about the fourth watch, he came to them walking on the sea. And then my favorite verse, he meant to pass by them. But they saw him walking on the sea and thought it was a ghost. So, so here's Jesus. This is comical, you guys. Think about this. Here's Jesus. He's like, the last time we did this, I was in the stern. They woke me up. They didn't learn the lesson. So this time I'm going to let them be on their own. And not only on their own, but I'm going to let them suffer all night long. And then I'm going to try to sneak by them. That's what he was saying. Jesus did the grocery store lady. And how freaked out are they going to be when they get to the other side and see that I'm already there? This is going to be cool. And then one of them's like, oh my gosh, there's a ghost. There's a ghost. And cried out. 
for they saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got in the boat with them and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. And so, I guess what I'm trying to say is we're going through stuff. And the servant leader knows that the only real way to deal with it is to wait. And to be at peace. And to try to remove yourself from the situation. Get away from the emotion. There was a a, a man at a church that I served in in Durango, Colorado, and he was one of those people, just like I used to be, that wanted to solve everything. Every every time there was a problem, he wanted to solve it right then and there. Well, I, 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 we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta solve this. And he used to drive me up the wall. And finally, one day, I said, "Look, if we're gonna solve this right now, I'm gonna yell at you, and I don't want to yell at you." So if we're going to solve this, well, why are you going to yell at me, brother? Aren't you a pastor? Yes, I am. And I'm going to yell at you even more if you keep talking like that. So let's just get away from each other so that we can calm down. So when you're confused, you're stressed, you're fearful, you're triggered, that's a new word for me. Triggered. I've discovered that I get triggered. I get triggered when I walk in the house and the dogs are like, hey, I've missed you, I've missed you, I've missed you, I've missed you, I've missed you. Ah." No talk, no touch, no eye contact. That's my new strategy. When you're confused, you're stressed, you're fearful, you're triggered, you're frustrated, you're resentful, you're angry, the only thing to do is wait. And here is the acrostic. I hate acrostics, but here's my acrostic for wait. W. Worry will only move you away from where you need to be. Our first reaction is to worry. How's this going to affect the relationship? How's this going to affect my job? How's this going to affect my family? How's this going to affect my finances? How's this going to affect every area of my life? We worry, 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 worry. Our first reaction is to worry, and worry will only take you away from where God wants you to be. I don't know how you're going to stop worrying other than saying, Jesus, help me stop worrying. A, align your heart with his. Jesus drew away often to align his heart with the Father. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus was to go to the cross, his own heart, his own will was, is there any other way? God. Read it. He said, is there any other way? And then he quickly said, Not my will, but your will. But he needed to be in the presence of God to align his heart 
When we're not in the presence of God, we align our heart with all kinds of different things. We align our heart with the friend who's offended. And we take up their offense. We align our heart with the family member who wants to be angry. We align our heart with a political party. We align our heart with a news channel. We align our heart with all these different things. And God says, align your heart with mine and find my will. So W, worry will take you far. A, align your heart. I, insist on it taking as long as it takes. How long are you going to be waiting for a decision as long as it takes? Don't you think you should get out of the house and go do something? I'm waiting on the Lord. Don't you think you've waited long enough? No. Insist on taking as long as it takes. The worst thing we can do is rush God. Because here's the reality, guys. He's just not in a hurry. For anything. He is the antithesis to what this world is. He's not in a hurry. We're all in a freak out hurry session and he's just not in a hurry. not in a hurry. Let me know when you're ready to listen. Because since I'm outside of time, I feel no time. And so this really isn't taking up any of my time. (laughs) Who can guess what the T is for? No. (laughs) Trust. Trust. But it breaks down like this. Trust he knows what he's doing and that he will speak when it's time. If you find yourself in a situation where you're saying, God isn't speaking, it's not time. Abraham waited many, many, many years Joseph waited many, many, many years. David waited many, many, many years. And we say, oh God, do you not care for me? That why are you letting me suffer, God? That you don't care for me, Lord. I'm suffering, you don't care for me. But God's ultimate act of love was to pour out all sin and all fear and everything upon his son and then turn his back. And that was the ultimate act of love. Yet we get frustrated when God doesn't speak for a month or six months or a year. We feel distant from him. Wait. 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 So you're here in this church we're talking about servant leader. We're talking about growing a church. But we wait. And God will send the right people. And we will do things as he leads. But in the meantime, we wait. I encourage you, do that in your life.
God, what are you doing? Wait. Wait. Draw away. Spend time with him. Hear his heart. God lives within the silence. We are so afraid of silence in America. Just be in a car where no one is talking and just try to be quiet for a minute or two and somebody inevitably will not be able to take it and they'll say, so who wants to play slug bug? Or I spy with my little eye. Because we're so afraid of silence. But God lives in the silence. This is what God would say to you this morning. Be still and know that I am God. My plans for you are higher than you could ever imagine, but you worry and you fret and you don't wait. And I'm honestly trying to teach you something, but you're so afraid. Fear not. Rest in me. Slow down. Slow down. Every, every eye is closed. Every, every eye is closed. No one's look. Please don't look around. If, if this morning you need to know the Jesus who would say, slow down and trust me, you, you've never said yes to Jesus, would you just lift your hand where you are this morning? Jesus wants to meet you where you are. Yes, right there. Amen. Yes. God is moving in people's hearts. Thank you, Jesus. And those of you who know the Lord and you've been walking with him, but you've just experienced frustration because you just don't know how to relax, but you're willing to say, Jesus, help me figure it out. Would you just say, that's me and I need help. Just raise your hand. I need help, Lord. Help me. Yes, all over the room. Lord, speak to our hearts. Help us to slow. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We slow down. It's getting late. There's somebody in here that's a little upset that we've gone farther than we usually go in time. And Jesus would say, it's okay restaurant still serves food at 11.45. Be still. Be still. Would you quietly lift your hands this morning as I bless you? May the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. This is what we do here. If you're new, this is something we do here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is on your side, whom shall you fear? May you be like a tree that's planted by rivers of living water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf will not wither, and whatsoever you do, say it if you know it, it shall prosper. God bless you guys. Have the best week ever.